Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Sherlock's Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Astrid Carter, Rosie Charrington, and Lou Huff. Hi, everyone. Hi. <laughs> what did everybody get up to this weekend? Well, I didn't do anything interesting. I was subjected by my boyfriend to go and watch Wayne's World 1 and Wayne's World 2 at the cinema. At the cinema? On Saturday night. I don't know why I agreed to it, but it's, you know, one of those, like, cult boy films. Yeah. And me, thinking I was being a good girlfriend, agreed to go and basically wasted four hours of my life. So one after the other? Yeah, literally one after the other. And I was the most miserable person in the world. (laughs) But I don't know if anyone's ever been to those, like, cult screenings. And everyone, diehard fans. I mean, they were all trying to get, like, all the lines in before they'd even said it. They were laughing at every single joke. I mean, hardly any of the jokes were funny. No offence if there's any, like, die-hard Wayne's World fans out there. <laughs> were they dressed up? Did you see a little They were dressed buffs? up. There was caps. There was, oh like, loads God. of T-shirts. Do you have anything exciting that he now needs to do for you and well, no payment for this? we came out at, like, half past midnight. Oh. I was so tired. And I was like, I basically won, like, 5,000 girlfriend points tonight. Well, I've been listening to a podcast... It sounds a bit more interesting than that, which I actually, I was just kind of having a sneak peek through the Sherlock's file for next week and saw something called The Teacher's Pet Save. It's something, a piece that Pascal's writing. It would have gone live by the time this podcast airs, but I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I'm going to give that a go. And it is amazing. For anyone who likes Serial or Dirty John, it's right up your street. It's about a murder in Australia in the 1980s. It's all a true story. It's a docu-podcast and it's told by a police detective in the town in Australia where it happened and he's still trying to solve this murder from like 30 years ago. I love things like this. It's so good. Like, this guy, it's a wife who's gone missing. Nobody's ever found her body. She just kind of supposedly like abandoned her family one day, but like there's no way she abandoned her family. He moved his 16 year old mistress in two days after she died, but yet he's never been even questioned over her murder. And it's really biased, this podcast. This guy who's researching and leading the podcast is definitely convinced that the husband did it and he's trying to kind of build the case. So it's not like a serial where it's very, very impartial. But, I mean, the evidence is so compelling. It's fascinating. I really recommend it. Did you ever listen to one called Black Hands? No. There's another podcast that I was going on and on about how much I love Dirty John and got recommended this one. It's another true crime podcast. It's about a crime in New Zealand where this entire family were murdered apart from the dad and the son. And one of them did it, but you don't know who. And it, it kind of shifts constantly throughout the whole podcast. You're like, oh, I think it's this guy, no, I think it's this guy. And it's absolutely fascinating. And do you wow. find out who did it in the end? One of them is in prison and one isn't. Okay. I'm not going to ruin it, but you're still like, is still the right person? Well, I think they're the best ones, though, like making a murderer, when yeah. you do shift from like one day you're like, it totally wasn't yes. him and then you just find out one little bit of evidence even like that Amanda Knox documentary as well oh, I can yes. see that on Netflix oh like, my god yeah, everybody came away with a different take I, on I that I found it quite haunting that oh, documentary like whether she did it or not she has quite a strange manner and if she didn't do it she's been through like a crazy journey so it would have an effect on yeah. her demeanour but 
I don't know, I found it quite harrowing. Yeah. yeah. I also listened um, on your recommendation, Charlotte, to the Philip Tracy Does Island Discs, which is so interesting. He is just such a fascinating character, and just listening to his voice, I was completely captivated with his story and everything that he's done. I didn't realise he was so involved still in everything that they're doing, everything that he creates. Team of six, he yeah. said, which is insane. No yeah, it's nuts. And I think I, what I mentioned to you is that I had no idea he was completely part of that, like Isabella Blow McQueen yeah. set. Um, and so he's, his stories are just amazing. Completely. And, you know, I think she really catapulted him and Alexander McQueen and speaks so highly of her. And I just, the stories that he must have are so amazing. Yeah. And the one about Grace Jones as well. Amazing. So amazing. Yeah, I've made no secret of my... Uh, distaste for hats but based on uh, <laughs> yeah. but having listened to that I can now appreciate it as an art form yeah. a little bit more you like a winter hat I like a winter hat oh. just not like a fascinating uh, fascinating you're a fascinating but it's okay he said he I, love that fascinator. Yeah, fascinator. Um, but he also doesn't like the word fascinator. Yeah, he, he? he hated them. He so said that they were a headband with like a floppy bow yeah. on. Yeah. Um, oh, I'll have to listen to that. Because he, he, he's got that kind of like fashion rock and roll edge, but also like he's literally dressed the heads of like all the royals. Yes. Oh, exactly. And he did Beatrice's hat for first royal wedding for William and Kate, the one that got a load of criticism. The pretzel hat. The pretzel yeah. vibe. And yeah. he talks a lot about that. And it's yeah. funny, yeah, it's kind of everything you didn't realise you wanted to know about hats. Yeah. Well, I didn't watch or listen to anything apart from music this weekend because I went to Ibiza for the first oh, ever time. Yeah. And I really wasn't sure what to expect. I know that a lot of people in the office have recommended it. But I always thought it was just going to be like Mega Move. <laughs> and so loads of people like Charlotte and Astrid and everyone have been like, oh yeah, I really like Ibiza. I was like, I can't. Imagine you guys <laughs> wanting to go Living there and after in secret ravers. Yeah, secret ravers. But no, I went there, stayed at the Hotel Me, which is a bit out of the way. It's kind of up the coast and it's just absolutely beautiful. Spent all the days at the pool, just chilling in the sun and then went out for like lovely dinners and drinks. I did venture down to play at De Boza for one night, which was an experience. Um, <laughs> one that you wish to repeat or no? I mean, I do it again for one night, but I think that it was nice. The rest of the holiday was very chilled. Any beach clubs that you'd recommend or restaurants? We went to Amante, which oh, was really, really it's nice. Earth, isn't it? So yeah. beautiful. That's Georgie's favourite. Yeah, yeah. Georgie's favorite. it's lovely. It's so nice. And then I had a huge list of stuff to do, but what I didn't realise was that everything is really far yeah. away from each other. So it did end up spending most of the time at the hotel. And cabs are quite expensive there as well. Did you have a favourite beach club? I need Amante like, as well. I, lo- I mean, it's just yeah. gorgeous. I would say not to go at night because the view is so amazing, so yeah. it's a shame to miss it. But mm. yeah, it's beautiful. Are you going this summer? Yeah, we're hoping to go at the end of September to Ibiza and Formentera. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, and Georgie said number one go to Monte. Yeah. so I think we're just going to do a day or day or a night and everything and then the rest come to her nice well if like Lou you still do have holidays on the horizon we wrote a piece called how to feel better on the beach because an estimated 80% of us British women reportedly feel unhappy with our bodies that is high 80% yeah. so does anyone here have any good tips for feeling beach body confident probably the number one for every single person in the show Let's office is to have a fake tan <laughs> i wrote spray tan in capital letters <laughs> <laughs> i think just nothing makes you feel better than getting a spray tan i had one the other day and it literally was like every single gym class i'd ever been to suddenly culminated <laughs> <laughs> after having my spray tan astrid I think it all comes down to what you feel comfortable I know that's such cliche, but what you feel comfortable in. Like, I just do not feel comfortable in bikinis. I don't look good in them, but I look okay in a swimsuit. Mm. And there's some incredible swimsuits out there at the moment. So, yeah, I've kind of just ditched bikinis and I'm 
full-blown swimsuit wearer. But when it's really hot... That is an issue. But yeah. But you just have to go over it. I think also going for paler colours is better as well. When yes. it's really hot, a black it's swimsuit a is not the one. But slightly softer colours. Yeah. But if you're by a pool or on the beach, yeah. then... Yeah. You can just take a dip and cool off. Yeah. Well, my biggest tip off the back of that is, and I've gone on about this a lot this summer, but is to actually take some time and energy and money towards your summer wardrobe. It's so easy because you don't like your body and because Mm. you don't feel confident to just think, I'm just going to pop to the high street, buy some cheapy bikinis because I don't want to invest in this wardrobe. I love a good shop on the high street and they have some amazing summer pieces, but investing in one amazing swimsuit or one amazing cover-up is gonna make you feel incredible yeah. and can really transform the way you feel about yourself actually on the beach. I will say swimsuits are something I really do think you need to invest in. Bikinis to me, I've been a bit hit and miss high street wise. The ones I got for this holiday were all from a website called Sheen. And I don't yeah. I've never <laughs> yeah. heard of it before ever. And I was like, what the hell is this? They're like a tenner. And I really wasn't sure what to expect. I ordered backups in case they were horrible. <laughs> but they arrived and I was like, oh my God, yes. Yeah, please. I saw Wait, Instagram good. stories yeah. and they looked everything great. On my, Based on your Instagram. Everything on my bang. Instagram, great. Wow. Literally, I'm so obsessed. But I mean, they're like five pounds, no? <laughs> like a tenner, yeah. And wow. is that type of thing now you'll throw away and you won't wear again? I kind of ruined one with my fake tan obviously but the white one but no I would definitely wear them again I've never felt so good in the bikini I think that's a good point as well with trendlet pieces I was saying to you guys the other day that I bought a Heidi Klein white bikini top that I ruined in a day so yeah I think if you're going to do this slightly more uh, delicate swimwear trends then it's better to go cheap but a classic swimsuit it's the bum part on the high street ones that just it's saggy yeah Mm. you need a good cut or too high I can't do that sort of high crotch yeah, that's better on cut. me. No, it makes me feel like Kelly Kapowski in Saved by the Bell. Oh, I love that look. <laughs> that's what I'm going for. Also, I think getting um, sunglasses that have got a bit of a tint, so when you look down at your skin, you always look slightly more yeah. than yeah. you yeah. actually are. So one. whether it's true or not, at least kind of what you're looking yeah. at looks a bit better. And a good hat. Like, I don't know about you guys, but my hair is crap on the beach. Mm. Like, my hair does not look good in the sun, and so covering it up in a chic way is beneficial. Good idea. Also, I do feel like once you actually get to the beach, like you've built it up in your head about what it's gonna be like. And obviously the number one tip on this piece we wrote is be confident. And I think it's so hard ahead of time, but when you actually get there, everyone is like, some people look amazing and they've got like the latest designer swimsuits. Other people are just like chilling, topless, whatever. I don't think anyone actually cares we're on the beach. No, I and agree. I think yeah. everyone's probably more insecure about what they're looking like than anybody else. Yes. Yeah. So, And as we've said before, Instagram is not a good reflection of what it's actually gonna be no. like. Do not get yourself worked up based on what girls on your Instagram feed look like no. because that's not what they look like on no, the beach. No, exactly, that's not what they look Unless like Unless you're going to a revolve party. <laughs> <laughs> In which case, hit the gym. Also, yeah, just have an apple spritz. I think my blood is like 90% apple this weekend <laughs> but I don't think you really care after one of those <laughs> Sherlock's fans will know that our Week With series in July featured Amber Vensbox the founder of Reward Style and Like To Know It two amazing digital businesses and we interviewed her about working with your partner her and her husband run their business together Astrid would you could you run a business with a partner well, I have a little bit of experience in this. I haven't run a business or worked in the same company, but I did work in the same office as my ex. And that's actually how we met. I was going to say, not when you've broken up. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'd both moved on to other jobs while we were still in the relationship. And I don't know, it has its pros and cons. I mean, it's slightly different to running a business, but it was quite nice. You could travel to work together, have lunch together, that kind of thing. But also you were kind of known as the couple. 
And especially when we like first got together, it was hot gossip for a few weeks. So I don't know, it has its pros and cons. I think it's probably taught me that I wouldn't want to go into running a business and actually starting something with a partner, a loved one, or even a friend. Like you appreciate that separation. Crazy, what about you? I think if you have a really great business idea and your partner is as passionate about it as you, then it can really work. But like Amber said, it kind of only works when you're a yin and a yang in the partnership. But whereas one person is really amazing at one thing and the other person can take up the other side of it. So otherwise you'd be just working on everything together all day, every day. And I just don't think that is a recipe for a happy anything. And I think you'd want to feel that kind of they're taking control of one area that they've got more experience in and then you can kind of offer your skills to another area and then kind of complement each other um, and balance out each other's strengths and weaknesses, I think. I think that's probably the key to really making it work. And our first ever success stories was with Tamara, the founder of Mr and Mrs Smith, and she also spoke about that working with her partner and they had a very similar approach to it. I feel like of all the couples I know, I can imagine you and your boyfriend starting a business together. Is that because I think you guys have a lot in common, yeah, interest wise? Do you think that's quite a key thing? So, we actually met on the shop floor in a retailer, and that kind of initial stages of our relationship was always so fun going to work because it made it so exciting to be going to work together. But I think in later life now, I think almost we complement each other in terms of our interests, but whether we could turn that into a business. Mm -hmm is something different. So I think it would kind of depend on what the business angle, but in Mm -hmm. terms of a creative direction, we definitely could work together. Yeah, yeah. I think it comes down to personality as well. Like how, if both of you love to be in control, then that's probably not a recipe for successful business. Could you ever work with your fiance? No, (laughs) for that exact reason. (laughs) We both are certain we're right all the time (laughs) and like to be in control. So no, I think we're better off sticking to our own careers. Also imagine like the situations happen where people date their boss, not in, that sounds really inappropriate, but you you can end up dating somebody who then is promoted above you or whatever. And like, imagine if you then sit in a meeting and they have to rip apart your work. Yeah, I couldn't. Would you ever date a coworker? I mean, not a shitlock. No. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's shitting where you eat. Don't shit where you eat. No. I think it's also so important to try and then separate your home life from your work life. So you'd have to set boundaries kind of once you leave the office. It must be so, so difficult, I think, especially if it's a startup or whatever, or the business is beginning to grow and it's kind of constantly on your mind. But I think you've got to let set some ground rules from the beginning. Otherwise, I just think it'd be hard. I agree. Well, that's what Amber's advice was as well. She said to set boundaries and also don't talk about work at home. Well, speaking of relationships, we wrote a piece called Eight Things Polyamorous People Want You To Know. Interesting. These days, polyamory is no longer considered such an enigma. It's far more common and apparently tends to suit the lifestyles of plenty of busy millennials. Okay, so let's define polyamory. First of all, Rosie, Autumn, who we spoke to, what kind of relationships was she referring to? From what she's saying, I gather the difference between a kind of traditional open relationship where it's of you can go out and do whatever you want with whoever you want um it seems to be more about a romantic relationship with multiple partners at one time so i think she says one of the myths about it is there's not any commitment involved but apparently it does involve commitment just a different kind so i think the difference is people actually are looking for real connections with people but they just don't want that relationship with just one person interesting she said there are plenty of asexual polyamorous people Um, who are happily in their relationships and never have sex. I think in the past people have thought polyamory is all about the sex, but actually that kind of says it all. It's not. It's about the human relationships. I think you definitely have to be a certain type of person. I think 
everybody has to be on the same page. I think, you know, one person can't be up for it and then the person you're dating is unsure of it. One of the points here is about communication, that polyamorous relationships thrive on open communication, understanding of your interests, desires and limits, as well as those of yours and your partners. And I think that is just key, isn't it? So she says here it's just about getting an arrangement that works for you so her partner will go off and have sex separately with her other partner. Sometimes she will or sometimes they'll have group sex but you don't have to do any of those things. It's just about what you choose to do apparently. So there's not really any like set in stone rules. I suppose you make those rules. Yeah. So it's pretty progressive. Why is it not for everyone here. I think you can't have jealous bone in your body if you're gonna be, if you're gonna be, I think you have to be so comfortable in who you are and in your relationship to let them go off and be with somebody else. No, I need a constant stream of attention. <laughs> so I feel like, well, I guess I could have another partner, right? So when they were busy, yeah. I could just text, maybe this is, maybe this is my next step in life. No, um, I just, yeah, I think I'm too much of a jealous person as well. I think I, I don't think I could deal with it. Imagine them coming home or seeing them get with someone else. I feel like even if you were like, I'd be fine, and then you watched them kiss someone else in front of you, I feel like it would have stabbed them. I mean, I guess if people have interests in other people and their eyes are wondering to have a conversation and if you're both up for it, you know, much better to do that on consent rather than cheating on someone. Mm-hmm. But I think, you you know, you have to have had that conversation that said you both just have to be wary of what's going on and, and be happy for that to happen. And in all the cases, though, of people that I know or friends of friends that have done that, it has always ended in one of the members of the couple liking someone else more, mm. ending their kind of open or polyamorous relationship and then just going in a middle class yeah. relationship <laughs> with the other person. I do feel like... I mean, unless you're a woman, I don't really know. But I mean, just do you. Do whatever works. But I mean, I don't have time to text that many people. As we all know, going to university is an expensive endeavour. It leaves you with a debt that many of us spend years trying to pay off. And there are extra costs involved that loans and grants just can't cover. A new study which surveyed over 3,000 students in the UK revealed 78% are struggling to get by and some are even turning to sex work in order to keep their heads above water financially. Now this isn't restricted just to prostitution, this could be modelling, medical trials, webcamming or sugar dating. Would anybody here ever resort to that? So I do know people and friends of friends that did this during uni. Anything from webcamming to going on those sugar dating websites where you find a rich older man to pay for stuff or some, I think, tried escorting. No one I know personally, but I've heard rumours about it. I think it is hard to get by with the money and sex work of any kind is just the easiest option. Like, if you were like, Rosie, make a thousand pounds, the quickest way I could do it is to do sex work. Like, Mm -hmm. as in there's no other way that you could get that money quicker yeah that is so true it's so depressing if you need if you needed it i feel like i have rent to pay and you Mm -hmm. can pay it and you're desperate i think something like sugar dating right but they don't have sex with these guys do they yeah they do but i think you have to set up an arrangement sure if you're just there on the arm of an older guy I mean, there are worse ways to make money. I mean, I think that's what people think it is. So um, mm. a friend of mine joined it thinking like, oh, like they'll just take me out to dinner and that's all they want and they'll pay my rent. And she soon found out it wasn't like that. I think they're probably quite successful in business, but they're quite business-minded about it. And apparently a lot of people on the first meeting, you'll set up terms and conditions of what they expect you to do and how much you'll get financially rewarded for it so I think it is very transactional but I think the horrifying thing about this is that these are university students and remember like I went to uni when I was 18 I'm sure 
you guys did all 19, like not much older. Some of these girls can be very naive. Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't sit that well with me. I think that's the scary thing is that they are quite vulnerable and currently in the UK there really aren't any laws protecting sex workers. There's a project called the Student Sex Work Project and they're trying to help students, um, giving them guidance and trying to keep them safe. Um, they're trying to promote learning and understanding about how, if you do want to do sex work, how you can do it more safely. But obviously there are bigger issues at play as to why um, people are having to turn to it in the first place, really. Why is uni so expensive? Yeah. Such a good point. And um, this piece also says that 76% of students take part-time jobs such as bar or retail work in term time to make extra money. Did you guys ever supplement your lifestyle that way? I worked pretty much all my way through uni apart from my final. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, for exactly that reason. Like, I did a four-year course and was in New York for a year, which, you know, all adds up. And having tuition fee loan and a maintenance loan for four years is really expensive. I had to do part-time work in order to help me pay for it. Yeah, I worked all through uni. I went to uni in London, so between doing internships, I spent every holiday, so Easter holidays, mm. all summer holidays working, and I would save all that money up to go back to uni with. Yeah. Otherwise, I couldn't have done it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I worked throughout uni as well. Um, but I was lucky that I did have my parents to turn to if I thought it was getting too much, and I was like, I can't take on all these shifts this week. But the sad thing is for so many people is they don't have that option mm. and you know they would be working all night in a bar have another job in a shop the next day and just be completely exhausted mm. and I think a lot of people's grades can fall behind from it which is sad. Yeah. I think I wish I'd understood the amount of debt it would put me in before doing it because I think when you work out how much that's going to be I think some people think oh you know they have to go to university and this is what they should follow but I think had you kind of understood that a bit more before it may be question whether you would, it was the right thing for you to do or so not. I think age 18 it's like here's some free money yeah. you think yeah. fabulous great and it will buy my way through uni and yeah. I'll buy all the drinks but then you know people end up dealing with those repercussions exactly. for a long long time and you don't realise how long it's going to take to pay mm-hmm. it off yeah perhaps never well Perhaps a few of us here were guilty of the odd walk of shame during our time at university. A Facebook page dedicated to the Magaluf walk of shame made headlines earlier this month for the humiliating and degrading content it posted about women walking back to their hotels. Walk of shame is a slang term that describes a person, usually a woman, who's making her way home after spending the night at someone else's house for sex. I don't know about you guys, me and my friends use this term pretty liberally and in a light-hearted, jokey way, but... 
some people aren't taking it in that vein anymore. I definitely have used it in a light-hearted, jokey way amongst my friends, like, oh, did you have to do the walk of shame kind of thing. <laughs> but I think the thing with this is, with the Magaluf walk of shame, it's humiliating people that you don't know, mm-hmm. um, especially women. So. so what actually happened was men were filming women from their balconies or from their hotels as they did their walk of shame early the next morning or you know during the next day. And as you say, they didn't know these people and were shouting kind of vitriolic statements at them. I think it comes down to these men bullying these women as opposed to the term walk of shame no longer being acceptable. Exactly. I don't think they should ban it. I mean, me and my friends call a walk of shame anything where you've stayed at a friend's house. I mean, when I went to uni, um, I did my first term in Royal Holloway before switching to one in London. All my friends were in London. So every time I went out with them, I'd have to stay at their house and then make my way home. And because of my love of tiny bags, I often didn't bring a spare outfit. So whenever I would go back, I would be wearing like last night's clothes with like one fake eyelash here, one there. <laughs> and I always used to say I'm doing a walk of shame because I literally looked hilarious. But yeah. I don't think it has to involve sex. It's basically like you've been a big night and now you're going home. The shame is how you look, not what you've done. Yeah, yeah. that's right. yeah. the thing. And I think the focus on this piece is that the shame is on the girls. Whereas if a guy's in that situation, he doesn't get that same shame well I do think that's all about outfits because if you think about what a guy would wear out and they don't have makeup and well a lot of them have shorter hair so if a guy goes out they kind of look relatively the same the next Mm -hmm. day if you're walking in the street in whatever you've worn out to a club as a girl it's a bit different I think that's probably where it comes from but isn't it the premise that someone's been out and they've slept with someone and then they're coming home from it. I think that's where it's come from, but I think the phrase has been appropriated by, you know, young, normal girls who use it to refer to exactly what Rosie's describing. It's definitely when men like these men in Magaluf take that phrase and use it in such a negative, accusatory way that it's a bad thing. But I don't think it means we need to stop saying that phrase altogether amongst ourselves. The one weird thing I will say is I have never in my life had so many guys hit on me as when... I am doing my <laughs> mentioned for walk of shame. That is gross. I know, so gross. Maybe men just like a dirty looking guy. I think <laughs> they do. That's what it's taught that me. Is gross. Does anyone remember a few years ago there was that blog called Women Eating on Trains? Yes. It's kind of in the same vein, and it would be these horrible men taking pictures of women literally eating on trains so and uploading it. Um, yeah. Yeah, because it was kind of phallic. Funny or just like it's just the most basic form of humi- so humiliating women. But then now there are like there's men who read on trains, right? That's the thing. Have you seen but that? But that's like hot men. But is it any better when women do the same thing? True. I do think like people should just stop taking pictures of strangers and putting it. On I the think Instagram. they need to make some sort of law about it because there was this other piece we did about the plane bay. I was just about to say about plane yeah. Bay, yeah, and like how can you make someone? You know, if something goes viral, that person is thrust into the spotlight and they didn't ask for it. Mm-hmm. And this woman has been hunted down and they've tried to out her. And it's just crazy. Yeah, for people who don't know about Plain Bay, it was a woman who switched seats with another woman on a flight in the States. And the lady who happened to sit in her old seat sat next to a guy and they really hit it off. And they you know, had a lot in common and they started to arrange a date. And the woman whose seat it should have been documented. She live tweeted. She live tweeted the setup. And as you say, the man actually, I think he even has Plain Bay in his Instagram yeah, handle now. He's and has embraced it. it. Whereas the woman, as you say, had no interest in being known to the public. Give their names them. I think there is a first name, but yeah, the guy's done like TV interviews and everything, oh whereas the girl has asked for 
privacy. No, oh, I just think that's the worst. Like, you know, obviously you're sharing a special moments, someone is documenting mm-hmm. that and using it to publicise it to the whole world. And using it for content. Yeah, and, you know, like, you should be in control of what you put out there about your life mm-hmm. and somebody else documenting it. I know. I mean, we have laws now around revenge porn, but not, like, humiliation videos. Yeah. yeah. And if you were to do something embarrassing yeah. in public or something, and that's just allowed to be up, I agree with that. I guess with Playmate, they aren't being humiliated. She's, I guess... She said um, that she was. She was like, I feel oh. humiliated. It's, yeah. how, it's how you choose to, you know, how you perceive yourself, isn't yeah. it? And how you yeah. perceive the situation. Like, everybody on the outside could see it like that. But yeah. it's it should be your own choice yeah. to know whether you feel like yeah, that or not. Yeah, definitely. It has to be said, though, for... Like, when we were at uni, there were no Ubers. So now, like, walk of shame. Yeah. Just get an Uber. I mean, That's like, so get an Uber. True. There's no walk of shame anymore. There isn't. When, whenever, I, yeah, <laughs> whenever I try to get an Uber on a Sunday morning, it's always at the higher rate, and I always think it's because of people on a night out, <laughs> and now I don't want to walk home. Can you learn the art of charisma? There's no denying we all want a little bit, but some people seem to be born with the quality, and for others, it definitely doesn't come naturally. Do you think you can learn charisma? Well, I met Mr. Charisma. <laughs> Who's Mr. Charisma? He is Richard Reed. He's a psychologist, a former priory therapist, and a public speaker. And he teaches charisma workshops alongside his other services. So I, as a very socially awkward person, went down to see him to see if he could teach me. And my God, I have never met someone so charismatic. Really? Really? Yeah, I was like, Jesus Christ. It was mad. Like, I was terrified by his skills it was so scary okay so first of all when you say he was charismatic what do you mean by that so he was just very engaging from the moment he said hi i was just very involved in the conversation he was fully present i felt he could convince anyone to do anything so he at first showed me his techniques by doing it on me and started making small talk in a conversation and before I knew it it was only maybe a minute in I told him all the stuff <laughs> about like my life and like personal things so I was like wait what how's it how did you do that he was like that's how you do it so essentially his number one tip was if you want to be more charismatic it's all about identifying what someone else needs or wants deep down and being that person to give it to them in a conversation. And how do you do that when you meet someone in an instant? It sounds very complicated. So you ask them all these active listening questions and people just end up revealing things to you and then you use those things to make them feel safe and appreciated and supported. You have to really understand people I think to do that. You have to have a really high emotional intelligence in order to engage those skills 100% I mean he is a psychologist and yeah totally (laughs) yeah exactly and did he did it seem genuine or did it seem like he was kind of encompassing everything he learned in talking to you do you think kind of if he went down to the pub or like he would be exactly the same I think if you met this guy at a pub you'd be like oh my god like he's amazing but I think if I did that I think people would be like is this girl trying to like find out my pin like I don't know this. yeah it sounds quite manipulative yeah. in yeah. a way but so I guess there is a fine line isn't there's there? a line I think there's a real difference between charisma and being likeable I think if you can do it on that really deep level that he describes then that's great that kind of probably is what charisma is but just really engaging with what people are saying is just somebody being 
likeable. And I feel like charisma is, personally, I think it's something you're born with. Like, we all know when you've met somebody who's just got that charm. Mm. And I don't see how you can learn that. I, I think I charm actually, is, is really key. I think they go hand in hand together. I disagree. I think you can 100% learn it. I don't think everyone can 100% learn it. You have to have some of those, like, core skills there mm-hmm. or personality traits in the first place. But, for example, I remember being in a bar with a male friend and we got chatting to this other guy at the bar and he was kind of firing out all these, like, charismatic questions, the ones you were kind of referencing there, Rosie. And the guy I was with asked him, have you read this book? And I wish I could remember the name of the book, but it was, like, a kind of dummy's guide to charisma style thing. It wasn't called that. And he'd read it as well. So he and he was, on he was yeah. yeah. That's and I so mean, funny. if he bumps into any other person, he'd probably like that's so it. funny. That's it, absolutely hilarious. That's yeah. amazing. Well, you just say it's all about working with what you have. He was like, you know, use Barack Obama as an example as an incredibly naturally charismatic person. He was like, not everyone's going to be that, mm. but you can become more charismatic. Yeah. And I, I just think that's more likable though. More likable. Yeah. So he did say being present is the most important thing. He said when most people are talking, they're just kind of waiting to think about what they're going to say so that the other person will like them Um, but instead to make someone like you he said just switch your focus to the person instead of thinking about yourself I think whenever you think of somebody who's really charismatic to me it's like it's a warmth that they exude and I think all the training in the world can't get you that but I, I completely appreciate that you can get that little bit closer Apparently, if people think you're cold, a lot of people that don't come across as warm are actually quite shy. Mm -hmm. So we said, yeah, you're not going to be able to make yourself not shy. But even if you do open body language or make yourself massive and walk around in a toilet, he made me like walk around the room, like trying to make myself really big. He was like, you can do this in a toilet cubicle. And it actually changes your whole energy level. We've done psychological studies. Is that what's it called? The power pose or whatever yes, we talked about it ages ago. the power ago. pose. Yeah. He made me rate my energy level, then close my eyes and think about a time where I felt really, really happy and really excited and do this. You can't see what I'm doing by making a... A-OK sign. An A-OK sign. And then afterwards, he was like, you have so much more energy. And when I spoke to him, he was like, it's like speaking to a different person. So Wait, you, sorry, just, you just have to envisage yourself when you've been your happiest and then you become So he said, think about what you want to achieve from a conversation. Do you want to be upbeat? Do you want to be really serious? Do you want to be like caring? And think of a time where you felt those emotions before you go into it, and then you'll bring that. And so if you do different signals, he was like, you can use a different finger for each one. You're, apparently sports people do this, and he was like, that's what you'll see in rugby when someone's wow. about to do like a big kick that they'll you know, pull on their ear or do something and it's like this training where you get into a mindset. So much forward thinking. Yeah. Situation. I think also you can end up being so self-conscious if you're trying to like work on your body language and the way you're speaking and asking lots of questions. I think I just like malfunction. And have you felt a change in yourself from having it? I think what Charlotte says is very true. There's so much stuff that it's too much to remember. I feel like I'm just going to pick one thing a week, like trying to make my body language better one week, trying to do that active listening thing without creeping people out. But I guess it's good, like, if you've got, you know, if you're going to a job interview or you've got a big business meeting or going on a first date or something, like, you could hone those skills for that. But I guess people that actively try and have charisma all the time is maybe... Yeah, I a think bit my friends contrived. just be like, what are you Yeah, it would <laughs> so be real. Questions. <laughs> Let's finish by talking about some fashion. We consulted those in the know about their tips for petite dressing. That piece is now on the site, but it got us thinking about what to do if your body isn't the size of a fit model and the issues that we all have. I'll start. 
My biggest issue when shopping is that I've got a small waist and big bum and thighs. So nearly all trousers and skirts don't fit me, basically. So I've learned that belts are my best friend and as is my tailor, which actually I know you abide by too. Totally, and I think people always assume that you should reserve um, your best things or your designer things for the tailor, but actually if you've bought something from the high street and you really love it, there's no harm in taking it to a tailor mm-hmm. and getting taken up. And Trini is actually a big advocate mm. of that as well. Like she takes stuff from Zara and H&M. And yeah. And they'd also make it look more expensive. Totally. Yeah, totally. I think there's just always a slight risk that you're going to spend more on your tailoring and the product than it would be to buy a designer piece in the first place. I have done, well, yeah. not more. Yes, not I've done. More. I have ended up spending more on tailoring than I have on the piece itself. Yeah, in the first me place. too. But it's still it. been quite a bargain. And it's I would only do it when it's stuff that I really love. Yeah, yeah. that I couldn't find anywhere else as yeah. well. And there's nothing nicer than when something then fits you perfectly. Exactly. Yeah. I always struggled to find dresses that fit me. I'm quite straight up and down, which is why I lean much more to wearing separates because I feel like they're almost, you can create more shape with separates. So for me, just shopping for a dress, like occasion season is so difficult for me. Hence why I tend to go for a statement top and trousers most of the time. But I almost think if then, there's something that you know doesn't work for you just avoid it yeah so true and obviously you're lucky there's so many amazing tops yeah and separates out there and that are now acceptable for big occasions exactly well. one thing i always have trouble with is i have really slight shoulders so like finding jackets and blazers is always quite hard and also i hate things to be really tight so i always go for a few sizes up but then the shoulders, shoulders like just yeah. look crazy so yeah Tailoring. tailoring and off the yeah. shoulder you're wearing a nice off the shoulder today yeah That's if you have got smaller shoulders yeah and off the shoulder makes you a little bit more in proportion yes it does mine my biggest bugbear right now is things that you can't wear with a bra like i'm not wearing a bra right now. i love not wearing a bra well it's things that are low cut that you don't have to have a bra because i need a bra if mm. i'm gonna wear something or things where like the back's exposed so therefore it looks really shit when you've got a bra but like you need a bra but all those nice silk camis sometimes i'm just like oh it would look so good to wear without a bra and i just can't get on with strapless bras i feel like no. they just fall down i've just been wearing those lace anine bing bras they're the best yes. they're, they're so nice them. they're a good go-between like that bra i lent you the other day that was like <laughs> a scrap of lace <laughs> <laughs> A scrap of it. Tor was horrified. Oh, I got a lecture from Tor. I just hate normal bras. Oh yeah, because she like she. Well, well it's really bad. For you. It is. She's right. It's really really bad for you to not wear proper cups and straps and Why? underwiring and stuff because your boobs should be supported because otherwise they're like weighing down your back and you know sagging to the ground and it's been linked to like diseases and stuff as well. Hasn't what? It? But anyway, if yeah, you have I like know. massive boobs. Yeah. 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 That was a bit of a tangent, but if you did want to check out our tips for petite dressing, they included things like tuck everything in, show off your ankles, focus on proportions, and don't discount long styles. Still pull off a maxi dress even if you're short. Well, from what we wear to the office to what we wear at home, we wrote a piece on the pyjama brands you need to know about. Lazy days at home don't have to mean baggy t-shirts and elastic free joggers. Lou? Pajama queen. I love a good pajama. But interestingly, I love pajamas when I go away and I really think about what I'm wearing and everything matches. Whereas when I'm at home, I'm literally like random old t-shirt, random old shorts, that will do. It's so weird you say I'm exactly the same. Me like too. I would never go on holiday with like a skanky old oh, t-shirt no, no, no. camp or something. But actually, always, always for holiday. Yeah. I, I think because on holiday, 
you have to you're like living your best life yeah, right? yeah. so you, everything just has to be so perfect like when I'm in a hotel room everything has to be in its place yes it has to be the tidiest place oh, ever I also only ever take matching underwear on holiday whereas when Same. like in the day no way is that ever gonna happen <laughs> oh I don't wear cashing underwear ever ever I don't wear colourful underwear but are they so, part of the set no I don't, wear, I don't wear sets I don't wear sets because I like those stupid bras. But, <laughs> but I would never wear... But the colours are always the same. Not, yeah. I only wear white-black skin, so no, but it's not, I never wear, like, purple with green. Oh, no, no, but would you ever wear, like, black pants, white bra? Yes. Yeah, because it depends on what you're wearing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Brands. What are the best brands to go to for nice pyjamas should you wish to invest a little bit? I recently bought some amazing pyjamas from Piglet in Bed, which any Sherlock show fans may have seen and they've got amazing linens they do bedwear and then they do sort of linen very like traditional pyjama sets shorts and trousers but so lovely they've got that sort of piping detail around the edge like very english yeah they're proper pjs aren't they rosie you're a pyjama wearer um i don't tend to wear them um i much prefer slips i tried to again live my best life because i read this book (laughs) by d20 and she had this quote in it where she was like, oh, I wouldn't be caught dead in, like, an old T-shirt. Yeah, but that's Dita Von T. I know. She's not a normal bench <laughs> Yeah, it's not really her aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. What, but what she said was, she was like, even if no one's home, no one is seeing me, I feel amazing. And she was like, that's what matters to me. And she was like, if you just, like, wear stuff you feel horrible in, like, it kind of can affect you. But if you're walking around, no one's there, but you still feel amazing. I quite like that. So I literally read it, chucked all my tatty old stuff away, and then, yeah, just wear my slips. And has it changed? I do feel a lot better, yeah. Do you? Yeah. I feel like my best self when I'm like makeup off, trackies, hoodie, squished into the sofa. That's what I mean, but yeah. in a slip. In a slip. I quite like a man's shirt. Yeah, I agree. Mm, like a nice linen shirt. And actually, I've got some Desmond and Dempsey pajamas which are kind of based on that yeah. vibe. I will say one thing always size up because yeah. like oh, mine are monogrammed, yeah. so I can't even send them back. But I, I would have definitely yeah. gone up. Gone my pigment and bed up. one is quite big, so because mine are trousers and a shirt, I can then wear the shirt almost like as a nightdress, mm-hmm. which is quite nice like, in the summer. Um, I love Bodus as well, they're not on our list, but for amazing cotton pajamas, they have really lovely pieces too. Do you actually sleep in them though? No. That's the thing, then. Yeah, yeah. Get yeah. Over yeah. So, no. so when do you wear them? To chill. So like just in the day. <laughs> no. Like, like there's a lot. There, you know, there's time between getting home and going to bed. Okay. Or like on the weekends, if I'm just hanging out at home. Oh, I wear mine to actually sleep in. I get hot in the night, like really, really hot. So full set of pajamas, even in winter, is too hot for me. Oh, I love that. So cozy with a hot water bottle. Mm. Really. Apparently, it's really bad for you to sleep yeah. in. Clothes. I have a cashmere onesie that I love. <gasps> I sleep in that in winter. Oh, it's best. I need that for hot. winter. My slips aren't going to cut it. No, they are not. Uh, some of the other brands we named were Morpho and Luna a little bit more of an investment Sean Esther Georgie's a fan and Yawn it's a pretty apt name for a pyjama brand I'd say I think that's it for this week if you like that please do rate, review subscribe and tell your friends and we'll see you next time Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby It's me Kiki Palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.